0: This is Stacey Hillier, and you are listening to The Prophetic Collective podcast. Hey listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to The Prophetic Collective. We love hearing all of your feedback. Why don't you check out this testimony from one of our listeners? I really want to say thanks for the Prophetic Collective. It has blessed me, encouraged, equipped, and just pushed me closer to Arba. I've got so many friends and team listening to it too. It's amazing. Actually, addictive. Now, back to space. So we are in the midst of our new series, Revival Reflections, and thank you so much to everybody who's coming on the journey. Today, I am so excited about my guest because you guys already love him, and I love talking to him about all things revival, all things Bible, all things worship, just all things, everything actually. So today I've got with me Joel Field, who's the Global Worship Pastor at Numa Church, and who has been a massive and a huge part of all that God has been doing. So, welcome back to the potty, Joel. Well,
1: oh, thanks so much for having me again.
0: <laughs> and for those who are watching on video today, welcome Leo to the podcast. You've heard him many times before. Here he is.
1: Yeah, that's the real guest right here <laughs> that people, I hope that he makes an appearance on the title, Joel and Leo.
0: Well, he is a revival dog. He was a puppy in the outpouring who was left alone for 12 hours while the Lord poured out his spirit. And let's just say there was a fair bit to clean up after that outpouring in my lounge room. (laughs) (laughs) So he deserves to be here and be praying saints because we've got workmen next door this morning, which is why Leo's on the podcast. So enjoy. (laughs) So, Joel, we are obviously in just such a special season, aren't we? And I wanted to get you on to talk. I think we've got you on for three episodes in this series, which is awesome. Amazing. Yeah, and then you and I will chat a bit later about what we've got coming up next, which, again, you're going to be part of. But I wanted to ask you just a small question to begin, really. What would you say has been your number one personal highlight during this season of attempting to steward what God is doing?
1: Uh Personal highlights, um, so many. But if I can narrow it down to one, uh, I think it's rediscovering some of the songs that of my childhood that really shaped. I knew it. You knew it. Of course, you did. (laughs) Yeah, that's been really special for me. Like because they yeah shaped my uh, growing up in church and some of the songs that I would play to myself in a small chapel in the middle of Wales growing up on my Yamaha PSR keyboard (laughs) and now fill in an auditorium and sometimes I launch into these songs and think that probably me and and you are the only two people in the room that might possibly know them but then to hear church sing along I'm like yeah so I'm and we'll (laughs) go on to talk about how that can be a bit of a crutch at times I'm sure but um but if I'm going off personal highlights that's definitely right up there.
0: yeah so give us some examples
1: ah examples ah, songs like there is a Redeemer I
0: am plain already <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know at, at conference uh the one that we just had we went into open our eyes Lord, we want to see Jesus
0: mm-hmm. and
1: and yeah, I've thought I was like I'm gonna an and about going into it. And I was playing the intro or just playing through it on the piano, and I started to hear people singing along. <laughs> um, they recognized the tune, and I was like, Oh, I was a mess then. It's not everywhere, and um, <laughs> just, yeah, a- an actual mess. So, um, oh, songs like that, that have been real, real pivotal.
0: You have got me, stumped me a few times. I'm like, That's clearly a Welsh thing. <laughs> <laughs> Is oh, this yeah. like your version of the Great Southland of the Holy Spirit? Because I got nothing.
1: Yeah, yeah, land of my father's. I don't know what the Welsh equivalent would be, but, yeah, there's a fair few.
0: So it's interesting, Joel, um, you and I love talking about this, that throughout every Old Testament revival or return to God, post-King David, David's model for worship was restored and presence was put back at the centre of God's people and their lives. And you and I will talk about this a bit in these three episodes we're doing together The singers and the musicians were stationed back in the temple and God's people threw away their other idols and their worship of other gods. So it's been interesting that the restoration of biblical worship has been a really significant part of what God has done in our midst. And to make a statement like that, it's like, oh, am I saying that our worship was non-biblical (laughs) pre-outpouring? Maybe a little. (laughs) What do you think some of the biggest changes have been In who we were as worshippers pre-outpouring and who we are now.
1: I think whenever people ask me to try and sum up, yeah, pre and post, the one thing that I would say is that we're ruined for the presence. Yeah. Um, And I think that once you've tasted and seen the, I'm not saying that that was never there in the past Mm. either, Mm -hmm. but I think, as God has given us a new taste of new wine and he always saves the best for last. And then I think then everything else can't satisfy anything that would have been in the past or that it might've sounded or looked like in the past. You just want the real thing. And so I would say that's probably the way that I can sum it up is that you're ruined for the presence. You just want the, the genuine, Um, Lord, if, if your presence doesn't go with us, then don't take us from here. And so I think every time that we gather together corporately, that's what we're longing for. Mm. Um, we're not longing for, you know, tidy sets or, you know, good transitions. Yeah. Yeah. Or, um, you know, clever mashups and all that sort of thing nothing wrong with those things, but really what we're after is the presence, uh, the the tangible manifest presence of God.
0: Yeah, it's been a beautiful thing to even just approach worship so differently and for more layers of pressure to come off Mm -hmm. because when you think of yourself as a worship leader, I've got to lead people somewhere. Or when you think about yourself as a worshipper who just happens to be on a platform that people get the choice to come with or not, Yes. And that the only goal is that I worship the Lord the way He wants to be worshipped today. Such a freedom in that, hey.
1: Yeah, so much. And I think as well, it's it's not only about the corporate. It's yes. Even in your own personal life, then. Yes. That's what you you want to taste. You want to you want to live in that yeah. presence in your day to day. Every time you sit down in your quiet time and your devotional time. It's it's I want to sense your presence here with me. And when I go out, you know, or in the car or whatever it is in meetings, you just you you wanna sense the presence wherever you are and know, yeah, that presence is carrying you and sustaining you the whole way.
0: Yes, so good. And I think we'll talk about that a bit more, I'm sure. But while you're here, I'm actually so thrilled that I guess announcing, although there's no big bells and whistles, but straight after this series on revival reflections, we're actually going to focus on a series called Worship Reformation and you and I are going to do that together because God's been really speaking to me and I know to you as well prophetically about worship across the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. So that's coming up later in the year. So, I mean, we'll touch on some of these topics, but we'll deep dive On them later. But I want to set some foundations. I I was asking the Lord a number of months ago, what was next for our worship or who he was making us into as worshipers? Because I felt that like we've grown a lot, how we do things has changed a lot. And again, we'll talk about that. But I felt like we'd almost fallen into a new formula. Right. Because that's the way our brains work and the way God has designed us is Mm -hmm. to find shortcuts. One plus one equals two. So even if you're proactively not going after a formula, it's the way our brains naturally work. So we'd kind of settled into what I felt like was a depth that we knew how to control and contain, Mm -hmm. and there's always more. And I'm always going to be pushing that, like, what's next? What's what's the new thing? What's the new depth God wants to take us to? And so whilst we'd left behind one formula, we'd fallen into another one, and that actually really doesn't take long, does it? So I was really surprised that he said to me, I've moved you out of constraint, but now I want you to exercise restraint. When I heard him say that, I was like, nah, don't like that word. <laughs> I'm gonna need six confirmations and a unicorn in my lounge room and Leo to be quiet for a whole podcast before I know hey, that's that,
1: normal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that, that's the truth. And he continued to talk to me and say, I want you to do less so that I can do more. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, that's uncomfortable mm-hmm. for worship leaders, musicians, singers. So true. So around this time, Joel, we also had the real gift of having Peter Mattis, who's the worship pastor at Bethel Church, come and minister with us a few times, and we're both so inspired and blessed by his ministry. I'm sure he's listening today, so g'day, Peter. How are you going? (laughs) And I think he really began to challenge some of the formula that we'd fallen into. So if you could describe the pattern we seem to be following, (laughs) how would you describe it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, shout out to Peter. What a gift. Yeah. yeah. Um I, I I think the like you said, we cast off constraint. And so it's like, well, anything is possible now. We can we can go anywhere and we have all this freedom to express in a way. And I, I think the perhaps the formula became about, you know, because we didn't have set lists as things like as in a whole bunch of songs that we would knew, it was very open and very spontaneous it became perhaps about how many sort of tags we could fit together. Yes. And, um, and about what, you know, I think even like we were saying earlier, I was talking about the personal highlights of the, you know, the old school songs. I think sometimes even for me, I have to ask myself the question, am I just going back to that because it serves something for me personally? Mm-hmm. There's such a grace on those songs, but it's, that's, that can easily become the formula as well. Oh, let's pull out Keith Green because that'll uh, get us all nostalgic and take us back to a moment in time that, you Mm -hmm. know, spoke to our own personal revival or spoke to a previous move of God. And so I think, yeah, we can become very formulaic about anything, um, even in freedom uh, where you've got room to pretty much do anything and flow again, it can become very formulaic. And so, yeah, you end up just mashing a whole bunch of tags together that might sound really good, but but essentially you're just perhaps stroking something within yourself that yes. is like serving a different purpose rather than really being led by the Holy Spirit in that moment.
0: Oh. So key, isn't it? Because the Lord is splitting hairs in this season. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, not necessarily wrong in your personal worship life to return to altar moments. And those songs are, they're altars in our lives yes. that alter and change the way we live. But in, in these moments of corporate worship, we're actually called to minister to the Lord. Yes. And so what does he want to be sung to him? How does he want to be worshipped? And so I think we have so... Uh, ascribed or associated worship with emotionalism. yes that we take those moments that have felt good for us in the past. yeah, we press them into today and go, well, that was real worship. yeah, whereas actually it was just our emotions, our mm-hmm. being feeling good, having good feelings. and it's not that we shouldn't have good feelings in worship, but it's not the goal. Absolutely. Sometimes worship is a surgeon's knife that's yes. uncomfortable. Sometimes it's uncomfortable in a culture of consumerism and individualism to put all the focus on a God that's not you for an hour, even in our lives. That can be difficult for us. So, you do have to be so spirit led because sometimes those moments are so right. Like when we go into, we lay it fall down, we lay our crowns, those kinds of things. Yes. Because you can hear the angels are already singing that. Yes. That can be such a God moment. But then you can also be like, that worked two weeks ago. Let's do mm, that again.
1: So true. <laughs> so true.
0: Oh, Lord. What's happened yeah. to us?
1: I know, right? And I think as well, we you end up coming off stage disappointed if yes. those, those feelings aren't present. The same feeling that yes. you had two weeks ago because we went yes. to that song or because you're looking for a particular reaction from a congregation. Yes. Um, oh, last time they they really engaged and lifted up their hands and, you know, like people were on the floor crying and all that kind of thing. And then you go to it again as a, this will help us get yes. somewhere. But that can't be the end goal. These mm. songs are not the end goal. They might be a means to an end or help us transport us somewhere, but we can't use them as the thing they're not the goal at all it's for us to steward and but really it's to to follow the holy spirit wherever he might be leading us
0: yes and the ultimate goal is to bless the lord
1: 100%
0: and sometimes the ultimate goal becomes blessing the congregation because that in turn blesses us because we feel like we've done a good job. And it's not wrong to want to do a good job or to want to worship the Lord well, but again, the Lord's splitting hairs. I heard Mm. someone talk yesterday, a worship theologian actually, and he made this statement that I thought was Mm. just so important. He said, worship is not just expressive, it is formative And I think for so long we have associated worship with emotionalism and how do I express myself and how do I express what I feel about life and what the Lord's doing within me. Where Actually, we need to understand what we sing forms who we are. we always having a growl at some people walking past. God bless you. (laughs) He's being very expressive.
1: It's not not my stomach, honestly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's being expressive and I'm being formed in the process. But if we actually think about our worship as formative, it's forming who we are. Yes. As we tr- as we behold the glory yeah. of the Lord, and then sing who He's making us to be and who He is, which is who we are meant to be, and mm. um, that changes us. It's not all about freedom of expression and feeling yes. good when we express ourselves. Yes. So this gift that is Peter Mattis, praise the Lord for him. What a beautiful person! What is it exactly do you think He challenged in us, and what did He show us when He was with us that was something new?
1: Uh, a few things. I think one was uh, to embrace the awkward. Yes. Because I think sometimes we are in such a hurry and such a rush to get to certain moments that we assume to be more—I don't know—spiritual or yeah. uh, a heightened sense of of something. And so I think sometimes when we bring things down and we keep things simple, we can that can feel awkward and unsafe yes. and uncomfortable. And sometimes just singing a melody uh, without words, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. Yeah, I remember after the first um, night that he had with us, just driving him back in the car and him challenging me even on, you know, finding more space. And I thought we were doing pretty well in terms of space. I'm like, what do you mean? We've got like 30 to 45 minutes of uh, of a set list. And 30 to um, 45
0: acres between each song. <laughs> exactly.
1: But even just, yeah, he was like, there's actually more that you can embrace there in, in the uncomfortable thing. I think another thing that he challenged within me that I've always repeated to myself uh, since those conversations was asking the question, what's the motive and what's the fruit? Yes. What's the motive and what's the fruit? And like you say about, you know, how the Lord is split in hairs with us at the moment, Mm -hmm. even when it comes down to like, oh, we go to that drum solo. Yeah. What's the the motive behind that? And then what's the fruit of making decisions like that? Um, You went to... Oh, praise the name, uh, because that's the winner. Um, uh, What's the motive behind that? And Mm -hmm. then what's the fruit out of that? Because I Mm -hmm. think if the fruit isn't transformation, Mm -hmm. then we are just, it's emotionalism. And it's, it's just going after a feeling in the moment that serves us. It doesn't minister to his heart. So yeah, what's the motive? What's the fruit? Is one of the biggest lessons that I've learned from Sir Peter Mattis.
0: I know. Absolutely brilliant. I want to talk definitions for a moment to help us lean into this reflection of constraint to restraint. So a constraint is a limitation or a restriction usually put on us by an external force or person. And I want to say here, this could be even something like a run sheet. It's a restriction or a limitation that's not usually self-imposed, but the result of a system, a circumstance, a location, or decisions of those in leadership of us. Now, restraint, on the other hand, is an internal measure or condition that keeps someone or something under control. I think of constraint versus restraint as control versus the fruit of self-control. So we had come into this season of having all this freedom, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. So exercising self-control, because, for example, we're making drum solos sound bad and they're not when the Lord's in them. But we all know that creates a certain emotion inside of people. That's the way music works and God's designed it that way. But it can actually become manipulation and control of a congregation if you go there to produce an emotionalism that ticks a box that you've led well Right. More self-controlled when you know that's what would work musically, but yes. you also know it's not what's happening in the throne room in that moment. Yes. It's self-control to not choose the bankable, oh, praise the name. Yes. Choose the less known song, embrace the awkward for a moment more. <laughs> yes. yes. That's the self-control. So, Joel, remembering that self-control is a fruit of the spirit We bear this fruit by abiding in Christ and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit step by step. But control of others is not a fruit of the Spirit and is often rooted in works of the flesh like impurity, jealousy, fits of anger. You've never seen this in any worship teams. Rivalries, (laughs) dissensions, envy, and actually most commonly fear, fear of losing control, fear of losing platform, fear of losing roster or position. Yeah. So Whilst I think worship teams have come through a season of having constraints put on them, particularly when it comes to following the leader, the Holy Spirit, and honestly, Joel, some of those constraints have made us feel safe because mm-hmm. we know how to win. Yeah. Wow. We know how to do the sandwich. We know how to please the front row. Yes. And it means we've actually learnt and been raised in cultures driven by fear of man from very good people, so don't hear what Absolutely. we're not saying. Yeah. I've been a part of leading those kind of cultures. Yes. So as a team, we've had to come out of that and have found this wonderful new freedom but have had to learn how to walk in it and we're still learning that. Yes. Galatians 5.13 says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another. And if we're honest, we didn't mean this, but sometimes I think we used our freedom to serve our flesh. People-pleasing, performance, perfectionism, musical brilliance, the golden calf of worship itself. Rather than worshipping God, we worship the worship. Yeah, wow. We didn't mean it, but God has had to do an internal work in us to deliver us from these things so that we could then step into the self-control of restraint. Yes. It's actually a wonderful sign of maturity, spiritual maturity, in a worship leader or a musician when they could but they don't.
1: Mm. (laughs) Yes, so true.
0: Oh, there's a revelation. (laughs) So if we think we get a true glimpse of what throne room worship is, we would actually be embarrassed by some of the tricks, Mm. trinkets and the methods we've used and then said that was to bring him glory when actually it was submission to the culture of the world more than the culture of the kingdom and for us to steal his glory. Mm. Ouch. Ouch, ouch. Growl now, Leo. It's a perfect time. (laughs) Joel, what does it mean to you as a musical minstrel to exercise restraint in worship?
1: Another small question. I think that, uh, well, you've said it already, but just because you can doesn't mean that you should. So I think that, you know, I love passing chords. I love minor fifths and major twos as much as the next guy and love throwing those in. And a major um, lift,
0: Am I in a minor chord and yeah. a major lift.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> play this chord that pleased the Lord. So, but just because you can do those things doesn't mean that you should. And I think often, I know even for myself, I've gone to those things yeah. uh, because I want people to know that I can do those things
0: yep.
1: or that I can hear those things. Yep. And it's actually more about serving myself yep. than it is ministering to his heart. So yes, there is a secret chord that David played in the please of the Lord, but I think often the times it's, it's pleasing us. Yes, yes. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I think that we, we tend to throw these things in there More so to serve ourselves or to even serve a moment rather than serving God first and foremost and serving the people. So, yeah, I think that's what exercise and restraint looks like for a musician ministering to the Lord.
0: Yeah, beautiful. And I think that. We're talking about a topic here that we will delve into in that next series, but your product placement today is magnificent, and you've actually got a book on the shelf there called Abba's Child by Brennan Manning, which is a game-changing book. And if you read that as a musician or as a worshipper and thought about when I sing that or when I play that chord to bring myself glory, I've actually brought my false self or my imposter yes. to a platform yes. and it by definition cannot be worship. So I will actually link that book in the show notes today because it's not about worship, but it's about you as a worshipper and that book yes. will change your life. I revisit it time and time again. Tell me something about that book, Joel.
1: Uh Yeah, it's a Hallmark book for me for sure that yep. I keep going back to and each time I go back to. I, I've highlighted so much now that, that I've gone now I have to underline what I've highlighted <laughs> yeah. previously because it's, yeah, so it, it it deals with that that imposter syndrome, which yeah. I think, you know, worshippers, uh, particularly those who are on worship teams, um, struggle with we, because we put ourselves out there essentially like we are on platforms and so we create versions of ourselves that we think people want or need to see Yes, and, w- again, we'll, I'm sure we'll go on to talk about performance and all that kind of thing, but that's how we learn to survive in those uh, arenas and on those platforms and in those auditoriums. And so we never really get to experience the true self that God has created us to be. Yes, Um, And I think that even then makes it hard, even in our personal and devotional life, where we only relate to God through that false self through that imposter syndrome as well and so the security that comes from knowing that you are Abba's child it brings such breakthrough and so yeah it's uh, I would say one of my top five books yeah me too that I would go to time and time again
0: Me too, so we'll make sure we link it in the show notes because do yourself a favour, get that book. It will change your life and actually leads to the next question. And I just want to say before I ask this, I'm so glad I'm asking this question and not answering it.
1: (laughs) Thanks a lot.
0: Yeah, let me just put that first and then I'm going to ask you. Joel, do you Mm. think – oh, yes, Leo, get amongst it. Oh, no. Yep, he's into it. He knows this is a pivotal moment. Mm -hmm. Do you think you have ever suppressed God's leadership – in leading worship to elevate man's leadership,
1: oh, <laughs> Lord,
0: um,
1: Grace, <laughs> why do you do this to me? Um, yeah, uh, I shudder because
0: I trust you. That's why
1: <laughs> <laughs> I shudder to think of the amount of times that's been the case. Um, yeah, me too. Not even just individual times; I think seasons. Uh, mm. I think when I look back on you know my worship leading journey and I have to, you know, just humble myself before God because the amount of times and seasons where I have made it about elevating man's leadership, whether that's my own leadership or others as well, I think that even, I think even with the, you know, we're talking about pre-outpouring and, and post-outpouring what we are now and splitting hairs, I think even the questions that we use to ask ourselves, like what is God doing in the room? I found myself uh-huh. being like, I don't even know if, I don't think that's the right question to ask anymore. It's not. Because. <laughs> and I'm I came right. up
0: with the question. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But But um, I'm just bringing you under the bus with me here. No, I love um, it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm prepared to be real because this is how much God's changed us. Like my heart yes. was pure in all this. I'm I did sure. have our team asking those questions mm-hmm. and they're not the right questions. So. Mm-hmm. Please don't anyone hear judgment in what we're saying today, like we've yeah. discovered some secret that no one else is ever going to discover. Oh,
1: like
0: we've no, been absolutely. so humbled, haven't we? And and I don't have any issue sharing it because God actually gets glory in our weakness.
1: So much so. Yeah, um, yeah because I think in answering those questions, I don't think the question itself is wrong, like in and of itself, because mm-hmm. I think it did come from a pure space. But, but I think that we took our cues. Yep. Either, like I said before, from looking at the front row or looking into the congregation, yeah, to decipher what God was doing. Yes, and I think as well, it's we're again just asking God to do something as opposed yes. to us ministering to His heart. And so it's almost like we become spiritual snake charmers. Yeah, um, to like if we sing the right songs, if we play the right melodies, um, then God will do something uh, yes. as opposed to just purely now my question is did I minister to his heart when I come off stage did I was Jesus pleased with my offering and that's not coming from a insecure place of like oh god did I do the right thing but lord I just my heart is that that you would break the alabaster box of my life yeah and so that the fragrance that comes out then uh you can be pleased with and then by by virtue of that alabaster box being broken, then others can be touched with the the, the incense Beautiful. from there as well. So, yeah, I don't know if that answers the question. But, it but does. Yeah, it's brilliant. Ultimately, my primary role is to minister to Jesus. And I think that, you know, the Holy Spirit is the ultimate worship leader, right? Yep. So Ooh. relying on the Holy Spirit, following his leadership, is always going to, you know, elevate God's leadership above man's leadership.
0: Yes, yes. It's a very sobering and, again, splitting hairs thought that we're called to minister to the Lord but often we actually minister to ourselves. Mm. We placiate ourselves Mm. and we lick our own wounds and we play and sing things that make us feel better about the injuries in our life when actually that's the role of the Holy Spirit And so we're stepping on the Holy Spirit's toes in a few ways in those moments, which is quite sobering. Oh, Mm. Lord, thank you for grace and mercy. Yes. So, Joel, ultimately when we seek to be seen, we seek his glory. How do we do less or exercise restraint but still bring excellence? And I would say this is one of the tensions we're really walking right now. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, excellence is such a double-edged sword in a way you know I've shared on excellence before and I am a big believer in excellence but I think it's I think we also need to redefine what excellence is because I think it's a, a bit of a misnomer especially in worship teams because I think we think of excellence as doing it better than the next person yeah uh, more often than not um, whereas I think excellence is actually a threefold thing in the same way that we are made up of three parts of spirit soul and body i think excellence is a three a threefold thing where yes one part is the skill of our hands i think the the next layer in that is the soul and so uh, where our you know emotions uh, lies and everything like that so having excellence in the soul as well so excellence in the hands, you know, with with our physical skills, that means that that's why we we can look at an incredible, you know, musician or you know, singer. And be stunned by their gift, you know. Whether yeah. that's you know watching something on Instagram or YouTube and whatever, and you can <laughs> you can be so amazed by their phys- like how fast that they play or yeah. the runs that they do and all that kind of thing. That skill, and then with the soul side of things, music, as we've already said, speaks to our soul and speaks to our emotion, and that's why you can go to an incredible concert by an artist, your favorite artist, and have an emotional reaction you know you can go to Coldplay and be in that stadium and have an incredible emotional experience and what often happens is that people mistake that for the anointing and so because we've had emotional reaction yes. we think that's uh yeah, yeah anointing but then you've got to have excellence in spirit and it's got to be paired with this skill uh the practical skill with the emotional wholeness and then when that's then got excellence in spirit, it's supremely powerful, you know. Uh, and so that's where the Holy Spirit then can minister, and where we can minister to God, and then minister to others as an overflow of that. And so I think excellence needs to be looked at again, and that it's not just a skill thing, and it's not even just a soul thing. It's got to be threefold excellence in skill, in in soul, and. In spirit as well.
0: That's excellent, Joel. I love how you've described that. We could chat all day about this and I had about 50 more questions planned, but we actually (laughs) need to finish up for the listeners, but it will come out in this future series that we're going to do on revival reformation. I do want to read a scripture that I believe is for worshipers Mm. who are seeking to maybe move into this new thing that the Lord's doing. You've heard some of what we're talking about today. Maybe you're like, oh, I don't know what I think about that. I don't know what I would have thought about it 12 months ago, but it's what yep. the Lord's done. So this is Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 2. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Oh, my lantern. And so in future episodes, we will talk about how this applies to musicians and to singers and to worship leaders and embracing the awkward and all the things. But, Joel, thank you so much for being with us today as we've talked about constraint to restraint. Could you pray for our listeners before we finish up today?
1: Love to. Father God, I thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I thank you that even when we look back and we shudder to think of the times where we've um, elevated our own leadership above the Holy Spirit's leadership that your mercies are endless and and that your faithfulness is great. And even in our weakness, you are strong. So, Lord, I pray for every person who might be listening to this today, worship leaders, musicians, um, production crew, Lord, whoever it might be, whatever service that they bring to you, who desire to um, learn what it looks like, to to offer restraint, to come in low, to let our words be few, Lord, that you would um begin to minister to our hearts and to our spirits. Lord, let this word go deep um, from Ecclesiastes that we wouldn't come in hastily into your presence and come in presuming anything, but Lord, that we would just seek to minister to your heart, to um, Lord, that we would offer up our lives once again as living sacrifices. We lay ourselves down on the altar so that uh, you can consume every part of us. We don't hold anything back for ourselves. But Lord, we seek to glorify you with everything uh, that we have to offer you. And so, Lord, I pray for you would lead and guide for the worship leaders as they're leading this, they might be leading this weekend. Lord, I pray that you would um, give us clear insight, um, give us clarity of sight and of ears and of mind to be able to follow the Holy Spirit's lead, even if it it gets awkward, even where it's uncomfortable and we don't feel like we have control, help us to trust you. And Lord, ultimately, we want you to receive all the glory that is due to your name. And so we thank you for everything that you're doing in our hearts and in those that are listening in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Joel. And there you have it, listeners, another revival reflection, what we're learning in the fire. We've moved from constraint to freedom, but in a season of freedom, the mature will show restraint. They will do less so that God can do more. And every musician and singer said, oh boy. (laughs) So thanks, Joel, for being with us. You're a legend.
1: Thank you for having me
0: you'll be back very soon and next week in our episode we're going to talk about hunger and fire the key ingredients in a revival but who instigates them please do all the things for the potty really helps us to get more people listening and i will talk to you all really soon see ya